Whether you realize it or not, sales is very much part of a founder's job. Not only could you be selling to customers, but you're also going to sell to investors, your employees, and your friends and family. After all, they're the ones questioning why you started this journey in the first place. On today's episode, we talk all about sales and we try to help you become a better salesperson, even if it's not a skill that you would instantly say that you have. I'm Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast, where I interview experts from around the world to help you drive your business forward. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode, where we're going to be focusing all around sales and selling and how you can drive your business forward. This week, we're joined by Matthew White, who is the CEO of Velocity Selling. And luckily for us, Matthew has a heap of experience in B2B software and technology companies, helping build scalable solutions, which is absolutely perfect. If you're a founder out there and you're building a SaaS startup, Matthew is exactly the kind of person you need to take advice from. So Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. An absolute pleasure. How are you? I'm I'm very well. I was just just before we started the show, I just mentioned I had an unexpected delivery and I've just run up the stairs carrying a new stand-up desk. So if there's a deeper breathing in this episode, <laughs> that's entirely because I'm unfit and for no other reason. <laughs> it's not that type of podcast. <laughs> no, exactly. So look, people listening to this podcast are by and large either founders of companies or they're working in startup companies. And sales is often not the thing that they put down on their CV. Mm. You don't see sort of founder and, and salesperson. And so what I'm really keen to chat to you at the start here about is how does and what does it look like when a founder has to take on sales? Like how do they go about doing sales and possibly competing with veteran salespeople who are out in the world working for larger organizations? Yeah, look, that's a great question. And uh, one thing I say to a lot of people is actually the founder, the person who came up with the idea or designed the idea is actually in a really great position. They're in a great position simply because they're able to actually tell the story of how they went from being, you know, from in how they came to actually design, develop, and deliver the product. They they can tell the story about how they saw a problem, what that how that problem manifested in other areas in the world, and they decided to rather than complain about it, rather than be a victim of it, actually go ahead and solve that issue. And that story is so powerful when you're actually being the founder and being the, 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 the person who starts that fire. So I think that the, um, the funnily enough, I think the founders out there who are listening to this uh, actually have a, a, an advantage over the career salesperson. Because if you look back at a career salesperson's LinkedIn profile or something like that, they're, they're sort of jumping from one business to the next, or let's say they've even been involved in a really big corporation for, for many, many years. They just don't, they don't hold the same weight as when a founder can go out and say, I saw this, so I solved it. And that's a really great position to be in. And you can tell that story over and over. There's, there's lots of different ways you can tell that story, certainly through social media. And that's really the, the greatest thing to ever happen to a, a founder right now is that social media piece where you can actually switch on Facebook Live, switch on your video. If you're not comfortable with Facebook Live, switch on a video and just talk about, I saw this happening and I solved it by doing this. That's really interesting. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I can see that, you know, having that story, having that passion, having that origin story that you can dig in and say, I'm not just selling this because it's my job. I'm selling it because this is my greater purpose. This is what I'm trying to achieve. So I can see, I can absolutely, you know, see how that's an advantage. And it's interesting for me that you've kind of intersected 
my world, which I often think about, which is marketing. So I think about Facebook Live and I think about it from a marketing point of view. That dovetails beautifully into what you've just said, which is, well, actually, it's the start of the sales pitch. And I guess that's where the two departments or disciplines actually intersect. Absolutely. So sales and marketing have traditionally and and culturally not really played well together. I was reading Mark Roberge's book uh, from HubSpot and uh, you know he asserts, and this is absolutely true, that salespeople view marketing as the arts and crafts section and uh, and and marketing <laughs> view sales as the uh, as the slick suits and ties section. And so um, and really these two departments need to play really well together. Actually they need to play seamlessly together. And that's why a lot of businesses say that you're a sales and marketing manager. Now you can't have all marketing because that's just, and if you, if you can't convert a sale, so so business maths, here we go. Business maths is essentially leads in multiplied by conversion rate equals number of customers. Number of customers multiplied by average transaction value is uh, multiplied by times that they purchase from you is revenue. Then of course you take away costs. Now, the part that's important there is the, the fire starts with the lead coming in. But then after that, if you actually suck at conversion, if you don't know how to charge for your, and so many founders, so many people say, oh, well, it took me six hours to build this, so I'll build six multiplied by $200 an hour. That's the cost. And that's a huge issue for a lot of technical businesses out there is they undervalue the 10, 15, 20 years of experience, the shoulders that they're standing on of the intellectual property of their mentors. They, they don't value that. So yes, it might only take you six hours to build the thing or, or execute on the on the widget, but really it's the six hours multiplied by the number of years to actually get there. So, so there's a number of elements. Once you've got the lead in, if it's a leaky bucket, if you're not closing the premium number or the optimum number of deals, if your conversion rate sucks, then just pushing more leads in whilst that will, yes, it will get you more sales, but you'll be super busy. And actually the leads that you get, you might get a great customer who's absolutely perfect for you. He'll be an amazing marquee client. You can go to the market and tell everybody how good you've done, a, what a good job you've done. But if you actually don't have a good conversion there, you don't get that deal, you don't get another bite of that cherry. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? You often, you do only get one chance at most mm. companies. And so, yeah, if your first your first foray in pitching your idea to a company doesn't work, you're probably not going to get invited back unless, you know, you absolutely significantly change your proposition. It's like, well, I've, I've looked once, I'm not going to look again. My time's important. So, Absolutely. So one yeah, thing, I'm sorry, think- uh, people are generally lazy thinkers. And uh, and whether that's a whether that's you're, you're selling B2C or B2B, people want to put you in a bucket. So if that means that they've looked at your offering, your sales process was sucked or was non-existent, or your ability to articulate your value was terrible or non-existent, then they're going to go, right, I know that I don't need to talk to Jared anymore because it doesn't fit our needs. And then next time you come around in that marketing cycle, next piece of marketing you show them, it doesn't matter. You've got to be you've got to be five times better than you were last time in your la- your first approach to even get that uh, airtime. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? It's it's the first perception is what's it like? What do I already know? What bucket can I stick you in? And then make an assessment from that. So I guess it's how you frame your your proposition early on is going to make the biggest difference in how you can you know sell it and how much you're going to be able to sell it for. So yeah, I think I think you know, it's a great idea. I, I'm keen to start talking and get some um, ideas. One area I really want to explore is sort of sales techniques, but the other area is just and just because the audience is is founders and probably a lot of technical founders, they always love tools and things. So it'd be remiss of me not to ask you around 
different sort of sales tools. And we all know Salesforce, but are there different tools that you've used, you recommend for different, especially for smaller businesses who maybe don't want to dip in and spend tens of thousands of dollars? Are there um, little tools or apps that you recommend if you're doing sales? Absolutely. So um, at one stage, I had 70 people working for me. We had a really large sales team, large service. We, My background is actually building software and selling it. Like that's what I did. I mean, the last time I wrote a line of code was 20 years ago because that really wasn't where I was. Um, I was best useful in most useful in the business. Um, so I ran the sales teams. And so the first thing every business needs to recognize is that they are a sales and marketing machine. They're a sales and marketing business. And if you don't think that you're a sales and marketing business, that's probably not why you're getting the number of sales that you want. Like that's the first thing that people need to understand. So so the reason I'm telling you this is to circle back to, I had 70 people working for me at one stage selling various technological solutions. I was also doing consulting for um, mid-tier and um, and larger businesses. And so we used Salesforce. You mentioned Salesforce. Look, that's today, that's the IBM of the 80s. So nobody ever gets sacked for buying IBM in the 80s and, and 90s, whereas nobody's no uh, um, person's going to get sacked for buying Salesforce, but that's bringing a bazooka to a fistfight. Um, it's super powerful, <laughs> but it's probably overpowered than for what you need. 99% of my customers, I recommend using Zoho, Z-O-H-O. Yep, yeah, I've used great that. tool set, great little fun things. Like one of the tools that I use, so networking is a, a really important thing to do. If you're a founder, if you're trying to hustle, get out there and actually meet people. So do that, first of all. That's the first thing I would absolutely recommend. If you've got no budget, just a great idea with a cool piece of technology or some budget, you're funding engineering, you're funding whatever else. You need to actually get out there and actually start having uh, conversations with customers and how you do that is through networking. And so in that conversation, you might meet somebody. Now you're a technical founder, grab Zoho if you've got Zoho. There's an app in Zoho called Leads. And what you can actually do, which I, I found pretty cool, is I can take a photo of your business card. That will then load that OCR, load that up into my um, CRM, being Zoho. I can then say how I met you. I can say LinkedIn. I can say um, networking or dinner or lunch or coffee. And I've got these categories. And then what I do is I go, all right, I've met Jared. I've uh, had a coffee with him, scan that in. And then what actually will happen is I mark him as coffee. And then an email immediately would go out saying, hey, great, great meeting you today at coffee. Here's a couple of ways to connect with me. And it's because it's instant and because it's it's on the front foot. It's not trying to sell anything. But what it does do is that person goes, oh, it was nice meeting Matthew. And that's a free app, sits on your phone, take a photo, and you look like you've got half an idea about technology as well. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm, I've used Pipedrive a bit, and that's just because it connects with a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. apps and tools and things. But yeah, I've used a bunch of different tools. And, and the one thing I know is if it's too complicated and it's too hard, and I, you know, I don't use it. And as soon as you don't use a tool, it just becomes a burden around your neck. And it's like, I can't, I remember at one agency, I'd go back and retrospectively every week, fill in my, no. my, my, my sales <laughs> pipeline software. And you just think it's not working like it's supposed to no, if I'm doing that. That's just not. me. Ticking That's right. Box. And so, so, so Zoho also plugs into all my emails. If I send an email to somebody who's in my database through my G Suite, I use Gmail, I G Suite. That's already automatically logged in there. I can, I got a phone call just the other day from a person I spoke to back in September. He introduced himself. I saw of remembered, had a vague recollection. I clicked into Zoho. I um, saw all the emails, opened up an email that he and I communicated on. And whilst he's chatting, I'd quickly scan and went, oh yeah, that's right. Boom. I'm in the conversation and I'm away. So so make sure your email is talking to your your, um, CRM 
and make sure it's easy. So my big tip there is is certainly Zoho. It's cheap, it's easy, it's flexible. It's got a great community. So when buying apps, when looking at, and this is actually even for developers, look for the look for the flagship with the biggest community around it. So for example, the App Store, the, you know, the um, the Apple App Store. That's got the biggest community. So it makes sense that developers actually build stuff that sits inside that community because it's like, you know, it's it's the difference between setting up a shop in a Westfield with, you know, tens of thousands of people rolling through every week rather than setting up a single shop on the side of the highway. Yeah, people can still see you, but there's no foot traffic. And that's where you need to be in a marketplace where somebody's predisposed to purchasing from you. And that's in the App Store, that's in the Zoho App Store or in the Salesforce App Store. Yeah, I love that advice. I'm keen to, because, you know, we're talking about making connections and having those meetings. And one thing I know with founders is they're often time poor. So they're developing a product, they're doing their accounts, looking after staff. So, you know, if they're looking at leads coming in, say they've got a marketing department or their marketing department's almost Mm -hmm. always themselves Mm -hmm. as well. They've got a few leads coming in. How would you recommend they manage those leads to work out where they need to focus their efforts, maybe even around lead scoring? Because I guess one of the most frustrating things is the email that says, oh, we should grab a coffee. And you go and you have a coffee and you think, well, why am I here? And what am I doing? And it's travel time and coffee time and three hours later and you haven't done anything. It was a wasted time. Are there any sort of tips and advices from a salesman's point of view about how you should prioritize that time or even work out who where you should be putting your effort? Um, so the very first thing I do is I don't have coffee with people unless I've qualified them and I know what I'm doing. I had a coffee this morning with a good mate of mine. He's a good mate. Had a coffee. Easy. I, I have coffee yep. to with my friends and I don't need to qualify that conversation. Um, but everybody <laughs> yep. else needs to qualify. And, I, and that means you actually need to understand who your perfect customer is, who actually, what problems you solve for that perfect customer. And when somebody says, hey, let's have a coffee, phone, yeah, sure, I'd love to have a virtual, I'm actually really busy today, let's have a virtual coffee. Um, let's talk for 15 minutes on the phone. I'm stealing virtual coffee. That is absolutely something that I'm going to do now. I'm just going to say, rather than do that, let's, yeah, have, a let's have a virtual coffee. coffee. And, and you can just jump on the phone or do even video chat. Hundreds of hours uh, a month are saved by people actually doing virtual coffees. And that, that also at the same time, qualify. So qualify by actually understanding what is the upside value here. Now, there's lots of, you don't want to be completely mercenary. Hello, would you like to purchase something from me? Great, now you qualify to have a coffee. So there's a few places, there's, there's quite a few times when you need to build a relationship when that might be running at a parallel line or, or an at, a, at a line that's not directly with your perfect customer. So that might be you've done some research in the marketplace and realized that these companies are currently selling to my perfect customer. Well, you know what? Go have a coffee with that guy. So consulting firm. So if you're a if you're selling a SaaS product that helps a particular business achieve a certain goal, well then what other companies that are aligned that aren't competing can you actually side up to that would actually help them add more value to their offering? I love that idea. So, so this is the this is like the the concept of Seth Godin's concept around like sneezes. So this is the idea of if you're going to go after somebody, find somebody who can influence maybe not, not only be a customer themselves, but potentially refer you to 10, 11, 12 other customers. So you're not shooting Absolutely. one Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah. funnily enough, Jared, I mean, think about your customer base. This is this is exactly what I'm talking about. So I work with um, B2B software and technology companies. And uh, guess what marketing agencies I have the most communication with? You know, exactly the same market. Yeah. It's, and that, that sounds, oh, gee whiz, I've just pulled back the curtain there. But, you know, it's, it's really, really strategic about your time. You know, money comes and goes. But time only goes. And uh, and so we need to actually guard 
That, that can't be a quote you've just come up with off the top of your head there. Thank that's you, mate. A no, that was, uh, that's actually from uh, Bob Urichuk, the founder of Velocity Selling. But oh. uh, it's Velocity Selling, so we'll claim it. Uh, no, it's um, it's absolutely not a, a, a – and please, anybody who's got any sort of takeaways, steal it. I've probably stolen 90% of the, my thoughts anyway, so don't stress about it. I think we uh, all do that, yeah. <laughs> So to guard your time, and uh, and that's one of the things, and, and managing time in a startup or a, a founder's life is super important. And getting those, and one thing I do for the my customers is I actually look at the founder and the owner's time and try to actually get them doing back to what they actually do best, which is typically programming. And uh, let's get them back to do that bit. And, uh, you know, for one of my customers, for example, they really don't love running their person, their, their business. They, they're involved, uh, but their best day is when they're programming. And in the last couple of weeks, I've seen, the, I think they've come into the office maybe once for half a day. The rest of the time is them at home running and, and programming and doing the work. They've got a GM in place. They've got people running the show now, and, they don't, and they've sort of stepped back from the operations. And that's going to that's a very effective business. So that's, yeah. So if if, if selling and, and sales really is something that you don't like, and, and you paint a picture there of a, a technology founder who we we kind of imagine are quite nerdy, reserved. You know, look at their shoes. So if it's not their strength, then as quick as possible, focus on your strengths and bring someone else in who can make a difference. I guess that's it's it's pretty Absolutely. solid. One advice. thing actually, we well, I want to cover off here because I, I made this mistake early days of my consulting is that is don't abdicate the responsibility for sales because you want to make sure that you're actually adding asset value to the business. So if I am a technical founder and I have a, uh, and I, I guess go and employ a salesperson, say, you're right, you're a salesperson, go sell things. The, the missing piece there is the businesses I've worked in when I've actually recruited and trained salespeople for them, that salesperson gets up, starts doing their job and then eventually leaves. Well, there's been no knowledge transfer into the business and the business is actually not better off other than the sales that person has done. Yeah. So the very first step that before you hire a salesperson or before you abdicate that responsibility, you need to understand what the strategy is, the sales process. You need to understand what you're going to be measuring. The, the, the very worst question that anybody can ever ask when it comes to sales is, hey, Jared, how many sales you got coming in this week? Because that's like asking, uh, yeah. I know we're both from Brisbane. That's like asking the Brisbane Broncos what they want the score to be at the end of the match. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating question, but I've I've been on the receiving end of that question, and you just think, well, well and then yeah. <laughs> what's and, the correct and answer? And salespeople default to positive, you know, and only a person who defaults to positive is going to actually have a long career in sales, because really, it's a, yeah. you know, let's be honest here. It's, it's, uh, I used to say to my, uh, jokingly, I say to some of the salespeople, are you ready to belly up to the bar for a big slice of rejection pie again today? You know, so <laughs> once you, you know, and, and pro salespeople can cope with that, not everybody can. But, you know, it's salespeople that default to, to, to positive. And so they've said, oh, well, I've had three great conversations this week. So, Jared, I'm getting three sales. But if you hadn't actually put a sales process in place and you're able to measure the metrics that's sitting behind that, there's a lot of science that goes into sales. You actually go back. And look at that. You go, well, actually, it takes three great conversations to create two proposals to create one sale. So, um, so Matthew, that's really clever, but you've actually got one sale coming in, right? Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. But I and, and I, I must say, as you're saying this, it's ringing in my head where I would do exactly the same thing. And and then you sort of set expectation of three. And then at the end of the month, you go, well, how many did you close? Well, one. Well, you've, you've set expectations of three. You've closed one. You know, you start the next month off 
feeling yeah. a bit like a failure. So yeah, salespeople set themselves yeah. up for failure every single day, and and business owners who don't understand the science behind sales set their salespeople up for failure constantly. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really tough thing to do, and and. Look, I, I often wonder whether or not sales should be a standalone function or whether in a company it should be part of everyone's function. So say if you were talking about an agency, you know, I've never really ever seen someone with a title of sales or business development really do a good job. I always find what happens is the more senior strategists start doing the business development themselves. And so they carve off 20% of their time to do that. I've often found that solution, but I guess it depends on the type of business as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does depend on the business, but I, I truly believe that everybody in the business has a, a circle of influence and everybody can understand the sales process. Everybody can, And this is actually one thing I do for my clients is I actually get them to, we map out the sales process, the elements, the problems we solve, the way that we actually, the positioning statements, and they're on the wall. Everybody from the cleaner to the CEO knows the sales process. And also everybody inside the business is in, is engaged in selling. So for example, one client, uh, they've just brought in where their customer service representa- uh, representatives, so these people who basically just answer support tickets, their new part of their job is a couple of times a week, they're to call an existing customer and say, how are you going? With no agenda. And that creates a, oh, you guys actually give a crap. And that is sales. That's really interesting. Just the idea of rather than sitting quietly on you know, an account or a client recurring billing is you know, ring up and just sort of check how things are going proactively because you might actually, you could potentially even catch a problem that when you didn't know about, um, you catch it early. Oh, this is niggling and oh yeah, you know, this font, I can't change or whatever the, whatever the issue is. And it might not be worth sitting down and writing a five minute email and getting it through the support system, but it might just be worth, oh yeah, actually, now that you mention it and boom, and you've got a conversation there. And is that and, what they call uh, um, internal sales as opposed to sort of outbound? Is this your, not inbound, but is this like internal sales that they talk sort about? Sort of like function? account management, but it's, it's, part of that. It's, it's part of the framework. So everybody in the business should be engaged in that process who's, you know, so certainly customer service, maybe not your hardcore engineer who's, who's, who's up to his elbows in, in coding every day, um, but, uh, but certainly uh, the, the accounts people who are, who are following up accounts, there's no reason why that accounts person can't say, how are you going? Yeah. More people, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, if you want to get a bit more technical, you can actually say, oh, we released this last month. Has that helped or hindered? And if anything comes up, anything hard or salesy hey that look that's a great question can i get fred to contact you and go from there actually i I get the visual of the technology person like the person like you said up to their elbows in code but i can just imagine how powerful it would be if one of the most senior coders behind a a, a SaaS business did actually you know jump on the phone debug something solve something maybe even bake a feature in it's because your guard's down as well right you're on your third level support you're speaking to the technical co-founder you're not really thinking of selling or you know you're not thinking you're going to be sold to at that time it's probably the exact moment when a sale is most likely to happen oh absolutely the your the founders of the that are listening here as they grow through their business they need to realize that if you've chosen to be an entrepreneur then there will be a continuing requirement for you to get in get back in involved in that piece and yeah deploy don't don't wheel them out to every meeting i made that mistake in the early days as well i wheeled them out to an unqualified meeting and i uh, apologize for that profusely as a salesperson as a, as a consultant uh, but you know you really want to make sure that you're qualifying them you're getting the value there and when you do roll them out that's like you do need to bring the bazooka yep <laughs> so let me just loop back a little bit back to that coffee meeting and just 
if we put the shoe on the other foot and now mm-hmm. I'm doing sales for my my software business or my my startup, I'm trying to get that coffee meeting. What's the what's the trick to make it happen the other way? So how do I get someone to actually turn up for that coffee meeting? How do I get that initial contact? Because that's probably the bit where most people really struggle. It's a lot of a lot of chit chat, a bit of engagement, but actually how do I get the conversation and actually get that first sales meeting with somebody? Is there any tips or tricks or sort of processes or anything you can advise or even as a mindset that'll help uh, a non-traditional salesperson actually get some sales meetings and give themselves a chance to make some some sales? Yeah, absolutely. Look, everybody loves to have their opinion asked. And so one thing that I would do, certainly for the founders that are listening today, is you want to ask questions. And so a, a path to market might be uh, you want to phone up a customer or phone up a potential customer and say, hey, I'm, uh, and you do that. You could do this through LinkedIn if you want to do it um, in text. Uh, certainly, I much prefer the telephone because the te- well, telephone you've got inflection, you've got conversation. And so the question might be: Hi, I'm trying to solve this issue. Do you know? Do you find that this is an issue in your businesses or people that you come across very often? And I they go, that. Yes, no, maybe. Hey, look, can I just buy? I, I'm just trying to. I'm, we're building out product suite, or we're just trying to do X, Y, Z. Can I buy you a coffee and, and and ask you a couple of quick questions this week? I love that. That just totally breaks that barrier down because you've you have come with an ask. You, you're asking for something, but you're asking for something that makes them feel good, makes them feel important. And so, whilst they they kind of their defense mechanism is, "What's your ask?" Oh, your ask is for this. I'm quite happy to do that because that makes me feel good. And what you've actually done is you've kind of sucker punched them a little bit because now you've actually got the sales meeting. In a loving and caring manner, and you know what, I love it when you're still in the, de- the in the dev cycle. If you're still in the in build, building the minimum viable product cycle, now you you actually say, look, we're developing, or we are uh, we're going to the market in X amount of time. And if you can actually say, we want to bake in some real world features, I'd love to ask you a couple of quick questions. So then, so what that that, that does a whole range of things. Strokes a person ego because they're an expert. You can say, hey, look, you're recognised as an expert in the field. Uh, these are the issues that what I've seen. Have you seen the same? issues and they go yeah and you go okay cool I'd, i want to actually you're the type of customer that we want to um, market to eventually but we're not there yet can i buy you a coffee and ask you a couple of quick questions about what you would like to see as a feature set and even if you have finished the product even if you are at minimum viable product stage and you are marketing you still have that same conversation because there's always the iterative process of building the next thing so you've never done um, certainly yeah. software is well software is is should be done and sold as an MVP, minimum viable product. I'm sure that all of my all of the listeners know what that is. Because just by the way, I built at one stage a maximum unviable product. I spent <laughs> probably 300 grand of my money and an extra 18 months building something. And what I never did, this is back in the day, it's about 15 years ago, or 10 years ago. I didn't actually ever go to the market and say, do you want it? I was a, I was swept up in the whole Steve Jobs, I'm brilliant and my, my um, test Test community is of, of one, and and so that was the the path for me to actually burn a lot of cash and achieve zero. So uh, that would be I think, another I piece. Think, yeah, that's going to resonate with so many people. <laughs> We've all fallen into that trap where we kind of yeah do our sample size of one ourselves and go, no, this is definitely the right way to do it, and massively overinvest, go to market, mm-hmm. and you discover that you're the only person that would actually buy that. You built yourself a very expensive <laughs> problem solving solution. That's right. Or well, the problem's not that hot. Mm. You know, so if the problem is like it's annoying, but you know, it's not yeah. that it's not that annoying. 
or it's annoying for a niche. It's not that annoying. Yeah, I think it's fantastic advice and 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 something that I think resonates with will, will resonate with all founders. Mm. Now, looking at the time, I've got one more question for you, which is I'm just curious to know, is there something at the moment that you think holds true and something you've been arguing that you find almost nobody agrees with you when it comes to sales? Yeah, actually, that's a, it's a good question. So actually, one thing I've been thinking about recently is the, the worst advice that somebody can be given is just be yourself. And, and uh, because founders or people who want to actually do something, they've got to where they are by being themselves. That's how they've been showing up. And being themselves is actually how they show up every day. And you can actually choose to be different. It's just that most people don't. And so what I would put to people listening is if you don't believe you're a salesperson, don't just think, oh, well, I'm just going to be myself more. Well, that's, that's, never, that's not going to sell anything. So, or, you know, I'm, I need to just be myself and I'll have more friends. Well, you know what? If you, didn't, if you don't have any friends or you're in a situation in your life right now that you're not happy with, that was you getting yourself there. So, so think about how you can actually be different and show up differently. And, and so, look, that applies to every, you know, socially, emotionally, mentally. And it doesn't mean you actually have to go shave your head and put an orange robe on and sit on the top of a mountain. But, it's, but change, you can change. Change is actually the only thing that's uh, hard-coded and baked into the world. So you say, well, how am I going to show up tomorrow? So if you're a founder out there who, who I'm not a good salesperson, but I need sales, we either get somebody that can um, help you through that or change. I like that advice. I think that's really good. Brilliant. So if someone has listened to the end of the episode, and, and almost certainly that means they're probably running some kind of SaaS or technology software company, and they've loved what you had to say and would like to get in contact with you, what's the best way to find you? I've got a website, matthewyatt.com. You've got uh, velocityselling.com. And of course, uh, if you find me on, you know, at Matthew Wyatt on, on LinkedIn or, uh, sorry, on um, Facebook, LinkedIn and, and uh, Matt Wyatt on Twitter. You're everywhere. So basically, if they look for it, they'll find you. And as long as they do a reasonable introduction to you. So if they do that LinkedIn introduction and it's a blank introduction, you know, you probably accept it, but better off mention the podcast, give us some introduction and ask for a virtual coffee. And you've got a much better chance of actually getting that meeting. Absolutely. Look, and you know what? And, uh, you know, my time is spent actually having conversations with people and, uh, and, and providing some uh, assistance. I, I've worked with uh, venture capital uh, people. I've worked with a whole range of people in the tech space. And uh, and if I can't help, I would probably know somebody who can help. So I'm happy to have that conversation. Brilliant. Well, that's a challenge for everyone. Reach out to Matthew, send him an invitation on LinkedIn, tell him you'll buy him a virtual coffee, pick his brain, and somehow you'll end up benefiting from a sales point of view with your business. Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. The advice is invaluable. I um, There's so much more I want to ask you about selling because I think it's probably the one area where most startups fail. So I will almost certainly be um, getting you back on to talk a little bit more around, particularly around the art of telling and selling the prospects. So thank you for your time. Look, look forward to chatting with you again really soon. An absolute pleasure. Talk to you later. Cheers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, 
just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.